Hey everyone, you found another episode of Exploring Kodawari. My fiance Yanka and I started this project as a way to stay inspired and motivated, especially through the weird and empty feelings most of us have had during this coronavirus pandemic. And we found this word Kodawari to perfectly encapsulate an inspiring philosophy of life. That is to say, a kind of principle about how to live a more meaningful life and to stay on the path. And our guest for this episode is a person that I've had many of these types of life philosophy conversations with in the past. So I'm really happy we got to record one of them for a podcast. His name is Stephen McLean, and he's been a friend and trumpet colleague for the past few years. He's currently pursuing his doctorate in trumpet performance at Stony Brook University, and he's also about to begin his teacher certification for Alexander Technique. But don't worry, we don't geek out about trumpet too much. Because like me, he's an avid meditator, and he's geeky about philosophy and psychology. So the meat of our conversation was about music, meaning, and mindfulness. What makes music meaningful? Does examining the meaning of music spoil the magic of how it works? And why does music uniquely affect our psychology? I can't say we solved the mysteries of the universe, but it was a lot of fun to think through these questions out loud. All right. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider sharing it with friends, or you can take a second to leave a rating and a review in your podcasting app. And if you really want to help us out, consider going to the donation page of our website. It's linked in the episode notes, and you can make a one-time or recurring donation through PayPal. That's it for now. Enjoy the episode with Stephen McLean. All right, we're going. Stephen McLean. What's up, man? Welcome to Exploring Kodawari. Thank you for having me. I basically will say your name in the introduction that you play trumpet, but can you just give um, the minute backstory of who you are before we get into like philosophy? Sure. <laughs> which we inevitably will. Sure. Um, I'm I'm an up and coming trumpet player, music teacher. Um, I'm also about to work on teacher certification to be an Alexander Technique uh, yeah. teacher. Um, I'm also a writer. And uh, avid meditator. Um, just happy to be here, man. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all those things are um, how we always have good conversations, like when we're going to gigs and stuff, if we're carpooling. Yeah. We probably should have just recorded those. They would be way better yeah. than whatever this is going to be. Now yeah. That we're like forcing it. But um, uh, meditation, you're also into like a lot of the psychology stuff I like to read. Definitely. And there's something about trumpet players, they just um, sync up. Well, when they sync up, they really sync up. Yeah, right? either that or we kill each other. One of the one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like Sparta. That's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> or sometimes you know, trumpet players just don't talk. Have you ever met those kind where? Yeah, they just like you show up to a gig. You're like, "How's it going?" I'm Luke, and they're like, mm -hmm. "They're focused." <laughs> yeah. yeah, they because they probably were getting in the zone to play Brandenburg or something yeah. like that. Yeah. How do trumpet players and violinists sync up? I think pretty well. Yeah, we do. We are both. I would say alpha, Diva. but we're supposed to be alpha, Divas. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little diva-like, yeah. Yeah. I th yeah. I Do you think, think you could ever date a non-musician? A non-musical? Yeah. Mm. Music muggle? Yes. Depends. De they can't... It depends. If, mu if that's the only con then yeah okay <laughs> so they're at 10 on looks they're at yeah, 10 everything on else is good they just like quit playing an instrument or never played an instrument we could work with that maybe yeah. we could work with that i don't think i've ever dated anyone that wasn't a musician that's what i mean which is like such a shame i guess but i don't know well i just was thinking like um musicians in general sync up right 
and then like trumpet players and sync up with in ways that are too specific for violinists to give a shit, you know, yeah. like yeah. So if we just switched into like full on trumpet player mode, everybody would be bored who isn't a trumpet player, That's right? A fact. And violinists could do that with strings and stuff. Yeah. It's just weird. I don't think I could date a non musician though. They wouldn't. Why you think they wouldn't get it? Yeah, I just worry that like when you've gone a certain direction in music, you can hear things a certain way, and then you can't ever get someone to hear it that way unless they also have gone through that, right? Yeah, there's a certain psychological, I don't want to say burden, but a, a certain uh, mindset you could that say you burden. have. I guess it's, I guess. You I mean like the burden of knowing the kind of truth Bach tells. Yeah, like right? that. Or, or Mahler. Yeah, or even like having to go into a performance. You know what I mean? Like, what oh, that, yeah. like mentally, like a performance that means a lot to you, you know, like what that mentally takes, like, you know, the preparation, the, the rites the, uh, of passage of like, oh, we both went through the same thing. Yeah. Or even like having a bad performance. Like, right. If if you have, if your girlfriend knows that you just had a bad performance and she's a musician, she they like, should know what's up. She knows, yeah. you know, they, be like, they oh, know baby, what you need. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> they know what you need. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's a little different. They'll be like, I'm going to leave that cat alone for a while. Yeah, I'm going to let him breathe for a little. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let him get it together real quick. Yeah. Why don't you just tell me how it went? What do you mean it didn't go well? Like, and it's like, I can't begin. Or God forbid you come home and she's like playing it. She like recorded it on her phone or something or like. Oh, like a recital or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's one thing. But the other thing is just like, there's a personality type of musicians that, it, I obviously exist. It exists in other careers and stuff, but mm -hmm. it's just rarer to find. I think um, so. Musician is the one quality, and the other quality, and we talked about this before, is if you're out there in the dating world and you're trying to like figure out who you sync up with, mm -hmm. somebody who's like the opposite of into mindfulness and meditation. That's tough. Sort of an asleep person. Yeah, that's more for me, that's more of a deal breaker than, yeah. than the music yeah. thing. I think you so. can find somebody who maybe has a similar aesthetic sensibility, you know, or sensitivity to aesthetic changes, aesthetics. Like if it's not music, maybe you can have a similar right. level, a similar depth of somebody who's interested in film or who's interested in like art curation or yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. But when like when there's no mindfulness that's just like a whole different like yeah that's a whole different i mean i believe there. those people are rescuable though like oh yes yeah. yeah i don't want to name anything but i'm trying to rescue a friend lately about that so well anybody can be asleep right yeah exactly so you don't have yeah. to be rescued by a person you could be rescued by just learning about the fact that this thing called meditation or mindfulness even exists. Yeah, maybe yeah. they never explored it. That's true. Or maybe awesome. they were never exposed. Yeah. Do you remember you know? an age where that came online for you, where you were like, oh, I can be in a different place than where the thoughts are? Yeah, that was huge for me. Um, it was actually right before starting my master's. So I was about 22 or 23. And um, I don't know, something in me just said, like, I want to learn how to meditate. I'm not sure what it was, but mm -hmm. um, I had done, a, I think I listened to a podcast or something about, and somebody mentioned meditation. And um, so I, like, I Googled, like, how to meditate. And, like, I didn't have an app or anything. I just sat for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes? Yeah. Wow. I just have, I didn't know That's what. That's pretty I, adventurous yeah. for the first time. I didn't even time. know the time. Yeah, I didn't even know the time that. I didn't even know if that would be hard. Like I had no nothing to gauge. Yeah, you know, and it actually shocked me how fast the twenty minutes went by because it was the thing. Where you, you think to, you were mostly lost in thought, or I was kind of like lost in the experience. I was more like in the inside of the experience, and um, that was my first time ever like 
there was nobody in the house. I was at my parents' house. There was nobody in the house. In the house, I was there alone, and I was like in the dining room, and so it was just like silence. Mm-hmm. So the first thing, as you know, when you start meditating, you start hearing the sounds. The sounds, totally. just random stuff. You're like, oh, the refrigerator <laughs> is there. Oh yeah. yeah, like all of that just started happening. I'm like, okay, let me come back to my breath. I think I let me try to come back to the breath. And in that struggle, the 20 minutes went by. Sure. And then I opened my eyes and I was like, whoa, that was 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, and then the world comes flooding in when you open your eyes. Yeah. And it's such a different world. Yeah. Yeah. For it's sure, like man. I think you start to notice it in the beginning just from shifts, right? Mm-hmm. You just get one perspective before and after or something like that. The other thing that got me in the beginning was realizing how easy I thought it would be and how hard it actually is. Yeah. Years later, I can still often, depending on the state of mind, make it five to 10 breaths before you think it's not going to sneak up on you, but the stream of thought sneaks up on you and you get lost, you know? Yeah. It's really easy to get lost in meditation. It's like, it's like opening up a new relationship when you start when you first start meditating. It's like uh, you would think it's a it's a linear progression, but it's not it's not linear. Not at all. At all you yeah. know, it's, it's like, like learning the trumpet. <laughs> yeah, it's not literally like oh my god, man. Yeah, it's like you can even if you have five good day, five days where quote unquote good days, even though we know there's not like a good day or a bad day, but five days where you feel like wow, like I really found something. On the sixth day, there's no guarantee that that's that your mind will be in the same place when you come to sit down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but it's just nice kind of having that ability to check in, like wherever you are, like that's, I feel like that's such an asset. Yeah, it's become a good habit um, marker. Whenever you feel anything arising intense, you can have that, let me just breathe and check in from that place, that metacognitive place where it's like, all right, all right, what should I do? Instead of being the person at the airport that freaks out, you take that breath and you go, this is really disappointing that you can't get us on that flight. What can you do to help me? Yeah. Instead of ending up on Instagram as the viral Karen video. <laughs> like, Why did I, I just thought of Curb, man? Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except in in Larry's case, he's the hero. Yes, yeah. Because he's always doing what my alter ego wants to oh, do. Yes. yes. So he's like fun. he's like unfiltered ego, just yeah. like an unfiltered ego, just like walking around, stomping around on what the rampage. It, I, I've said this before. <laughs> I forget how I phrased it, but something like, Curb your enthusiasm. Like Larry is basically the opposite of Ramdas. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah. Like I like, like them both equally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't really respect people who can't engage with their Larry in in their inner Larry because it means you're not thinking about the world. Yeah. But you also want to have your inner Ramdas that goes, "I love you anyways. It's fine." You yeah. Know? But Larry's just like, yeah. But technically, I'm still right. You know. Like, Honestly, that's what gravitated me towards the show because I have such a personality to like. I have such a capacity to be able to go with the flow of whatever's happening. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And the fact that he never goes with yeah. the flow. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> I'm like, I need some of that in my life. Let me just watch the show. Maybe it'll, yeah. like, it'll rub off. And then when he does go with the flow, because he has an interest in it going a certain way, yeah. he'll just fuck it up through it another works. way. Yeah, yeah. It never works. <laughs> never Because he's Larry. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Do you want to just say like how you got into trumpet? How long you've been playing? Sure. Since we'll talk a lot about music. Like, what's your history with music? Um, with music, well, music in general, um, I come from like a kind of musical family. Um not a, not like a lot of professional work on the classical side, but um, on the gospel side, heavy. Like my father is a guitar player, is a guitarist, and he's he's kind of known like around where we live. And um, at the time when he was coming up, 
there is a what they call a Pentecostal assembly. It's like a basically like a a big network of churches like under a certain under the denomination of Pentecostal mm-hmm. Christians. Um, so he was kind of known playing guitar in that in that circle. And uh, I have an uncle who plays drums, and another uncle who sings, and I have another cousin who's like a vocal coach. So I was kind of always around music, mm-hmm. and um, in I was that religious, like in a music, kind of yeah. yeah, in like kind of like a sense where like I've I always connected to the music. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, it's I, and it's an important distinction because a lot of people who grew up with like the musical parents who send them to like Juilliard pre-K it doesn't exist but you yeah. know what I mean yeah. like, it's a different energy yeah for sure. you're not going to connect to the music as much as the the world of music and the skill yeah. building for me it was that. like more like of like the direct experience of like being in a church Visceral, yeah. and like feeling like music happened like around me you know what I mean yeah so like my dad always told like my parents I went to my parents when I was like six after like my uncle played something on the organ and I was just like I'm gonna be a musician figured it out we're good yeah. like I know what I'm about to do um, a lot of like, okay, again, not a linear progression, but that was kind of like my early, um, I was always very like connected on an emotional level with music and going forward, my, my dad being a guitar player, unfortunately, like did not let me touch any of his guitars as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're a kid, you have to pick an instrument. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play the guitar. My dad's like, nah, we're good on that. And <laughs> yeah, we don't have any in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like, but he had an old flugelhorn, uh, in the attic that I found. Uh-huh. And so I was like, can I play this? So he was like, yeah, go ahead. So I actually played flugelhorn for like a or half a year oh, until I got that. a yeah, trumpet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, until I got a trumpet. So, and I still have that flugel, but. I remember one time I was watching a recital or not even a recital. It was just like a the, the a gig you did at the local coffee shop. Yeah. yeah and right, it was like trio concerts are really tiring. So you were getting tired. Mm-hmm. And then you switched to a piece on flugelhorn. And I remember commenting afterwards. I'm like, dude, you went from being like tired to like like really comfortable you're like yeah i grew up on flugelhorn <laughs> like, yeah it's just easier it's like me. hello old friend you yeah know? the trumpet is just so like beefy and like yeah it's not smooth yeah, sometimes, yeah you know traditionally harder to have endurance on flugelhorn as a trumpet muggle asking i think it's person to person <laughs> yeah it depends. i see i think yeah. it, I, my endurance on flugel would be low right now because i haven't played one in a while but yeah. i feel like if i were to train primarily on flugel i would have more endurance than trumpet Something yeah. about the sound, you mellow it out and you don't go for that intensity and compact brilliance that you do on Yeah, the, on conical, the conical versus the cylindrical. Yeah. Cylindrical. Similar to a cornet, like playing those cornet solos is so much easier on cornet yes. than on trumpet. Yeah. You feel like a chump on the trumpet. Let alone like C to, trumpet or something. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like rough. like which is what we use in orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you play it on cornet, it's like, oh, okay, this is how this is supposed to feel. Like kind of easy if I do it right. Yep. Should feel effortless, like yeah. Flugel's a similar similar thing. Nice. So you you went to undergrad, masters, ended up at the same school. We weren't in school together, I don't think, right? No, you got out that you got out like a year before I showed up. That's right. Yeah, I guess I went back to play in a in a a few symphony concerts, right? Yeah, you. And I was like, oh, a trumpet one. player who's awake. I'm gonna talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know if you remember this, but we had a gig the first time we the first time we actually had a conversation. We had a gig doing like. It was a rough gig. It was like a uh, Broadway. It was like a Broadway medley. Oh, it was like an, was it like it was like two hours of like Annie, and, Annie, and like a uh, company? And oh like, my god! Uh, so West Side. It was about, we it was had about just him. gotten back from London, I think. 
Was it in November? Yeah, I think so. I think I was like jet lagged. No, no, I just got back from Turkey. Oh, okay. And I caught a you stomach talk- bug yeah, from her dad. So I remember it being like, Turkey. nice to meet you, dude. Yeah. By the way, I might bolt to the bathroom at any point. Yeah. It was at dinner, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they fed us, right? Yeah, they fed us. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. And I don't know how the convo got to meditation, but one of us like slipped up and mentioned meditation. And then we talked like the entire time. Like, yeah, that's me. that's totally right. Yeah, we yeah. were at that rehearsal or concert, whatever it was. And you're right. Um, we were sitting in like the, the kids' cafeteria, just like shitty gigs, huh? Yeah, you know? Exactly. And then I was like, oh, shit, something about meditation or you said it. And, and then we it, it's jumped off from there. Yeah, man. It is a topic I always connect with people about if they are into it. It it so easily jumps off. Yeah, for sure. It's more interesting than trumpet, that's for sure. You know? I mean, well, it's, mm-hmm. it's so ever-encompassing, you know what I mean? Like, Everything else is downstream of your mind, right? Yeah. That's the idea of it, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, let's talk about Alexander Technique for a second. Sure. Just to, can you say what that is? I mean, it, it very much goes along with the mindfulness thing. Yeah. The, the topic I really want to get to, like... I don't know if you remember, we had this talk like over a few beers some time ago. I forget when. And you were saying like, oh, if I design a course one day, we'll call it like music and meaning or something like yeah, that. Yeah, music, meaning, and mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I want to get to the the meat of the podcast at that. But let's Ooh. talk about Alexander Technique since yeah. I'm going to steal your time and learn about it anyways. I got you, man. I got you. Um, Alexander Technique was one of those things like meditation where... You know, after you meditate for the first time, you kind of realize like, wow, like there's a whole nother dimension, for lack of better terms, of life that like I've been on autopilot, <clears throat> basically. So like meditation, um, which gives you kind of space to kind of watch your habits and tr- and b- the ability to disengage. Um, Alexander Technique does that from the perspective of the body. Um but not leaving out the part of the mind. It pretty much um, is based off the premise that the mind and the body are one totality. Mm-hmm. So Yanka oh, could get behind that. Yeah. She's she's been into similar stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, more and more convinced of that. Uh, yeah. the older I get. Okay. Yeah. Um. And so it's basically the how we all know from meditating that many times reoccurring habitual thoughts or thought patterns mm-hmm. are doing our thinking for us are doing our driving for us or our talking for us yeah. or our playing for us or whatever, yeah. you know, or dealing with our challenges for us. And we're not really presently in the moment. Driving all the way to work 20 minutes. There you go. There you go. So, but Alexander technique uh, is kind of like the missing link to that because we know that happens mentally, but what, what is the, um, what is the repercussions on a physical standpoint? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, those same habits of the same, mind the going in habits. circular patterns. The same habits. What are those patterns of the body? What are those patterns of the muscle body? Muscle tension that... Because mm-hmm. um, this... body definitely learns that. Yes. And then it stays with you. Yes. And then you have to make so much effort. Like imagine how many years you lived with that tension. Yes. And, then and as musicians, we know for a fact, we know for a fact... Uh, I'll ask you guys, have you ever been, so think about a performance where you were just on, where like you couldn't miss a note if you tried to miss a note, like and how your body felt in that. Mm-hmm. And then think of one where you totally bombed. Oh, God, <laughs> and yeah. then think of how your body felt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if you think of, you know, somebody yelling <laughs> yeah. at you, how that makes your body feel or somebody praising you. How does that make your body feel? You know what I mean? 
Um, it's very uh, Jordan Peterson lobster esque. I don't know if you've ever read that. Yeah, chapter where yeah, the, it's the at a deep level. Open up when the serotonin is there, and you're exactly. facing the world and confident, and it, you your posture closes mm-hmm. down when the opposite is happening. You're yeah. scared of the world. You don't want to face it. You feel like there's no opportunities out there. You know exactly. And we as trumpet players, I think, it's know huge. that more than any other instrument. I don't know. This might not be true. <laughs> Excuse me. But <laughs> there's a degree to which you're putting yourself out there on an instrument like trumpet, yeah. which I think ingrains all the bad habits of music more than a lot of other instruments. Yeah, and it's I also- I could be a, making an off-base claim. I've never held a violin bow in an audition and felt it shake or whatever, so- Yeah, I mean, there's a certain breath aspect that like adds a, adds a layer for sure, mm-hmm, I yeah. think. I think it's in ev- all, probably all instruments, but definitely all instruments. Um, but believe it or not, um, Alexander Technique is- the creator of it, FM Alexander, mm-hmm. was a um, he he would he would he was a reciter of he was I don't want to say an actor but he was like a Shakespearean actor for like a better terms and he was a professional. Then he started losing his voice mm-hmm. and he he didn't couldn't figure out why he was using his why he was losing his voice in the middle of performances. Yeah, you um, mean like it would just fail on him? It would unexpectedly. It would get hoarse and then it would just stop. Damn. And he couldn't. He just totally lost his voice. So he would go to the doctor, and the doctor say, "We, you know, we examined your vocal cords. There's nothing wrong with them." So he would say, "Okay." So he said, "Okay." The doctor said, "Just rest it, and you'll be fine." So he rested it. Didn't do any reciting. Um, That'd be a great order to get for the doctor. Yeah, he said, "I need just you rest. to not talk to anyone." Yeah, for just a rest. Week. Just rest. So he rested his voice. He rested his voice. He was fine. His vocal cords wasn't losing his voice. Literally, as soon as he went to recite by intermission, voice was gone again. So he was he was using his voice in that interim, not publicly speaking, but, but and, and you know, it seemed okay. Yeah, seemed healed, regularly, like, yeah, but not yeah. like performing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that led him to the to the idea that okay, this isn't something that I'm doing. In my this isn't an injury. It's something that I'm doing while I perform. Right. So then that led him to recite in front of mirrors and try to figure out what am I doing while I'm performing that's different than my everyday use. Mm-hmm. And, and he uses the term use because really there's not, we don't really, the language with, with Alexander Technique, like meditation, sometimes it's hard to wrap words around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, that led to a series of discoveries that not only was his was he misusing himself while he was performing, but observing himself, misusing himself and telling himself not to do that wasn't enough to make him stop doing it sure he didn't have the conscious control over it he didn't have control over it because it was habitual and it had become unconscious right Mm -hmm. so that's what led him to create a technique where you can kind of uh unhinge some of these habits that we unravel them unravel them get to the core of it get to the bottom of it you know and he was able to do it with the body because there are clear signs of uh, there are clear signs of good coordination. Mm-hmm. Like there's a clear relationship. He was able to uh, he was able to um, discover the coordination between the neck, the head, and the torso, and how that influenced the rest of the body, mm-hmm. and how that was often the first to leave in what they call the startle pattern. Like if we heard a gunshot right now, everybody would go like this. Yeah, sure. So it's the neck, and how animals also use their neck and their head um, and their torso as they just go about life in a graceful man and the graceful manner that they do, you know? Right. So from these different um, 
well, how many squirrels out there are traumatized and ha- like you don't yeah. think of squirrel problems as yeah. being like you carry life bodies. trauma? It's yeah. like you just got to collect nuts and <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different. And the book I'm reading a book now on that, um, which is basically on like where we've where we've arrived at an from an evolutionary standpoint mm-hmm. um, to where we're able to influence our grace of movement and how and and actually misuse ourselves and actually do things that hurt ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? Like. We've reached a certain level. We're too self-aware. We're, we're, we're that where it hasn't caught up to, you know, a, being able to influence, you know, consciously like our habits. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Um, we also evolved from the inside out, right? Mm-hmm. So you just mentioned the startle reflex, right? Yes. We're not in control of that. In fact, if you've ever gotten startled really properly, let's say the the neighbors right next door set off a firework or something. Yeah. You you feel your body react before your brain goes. That was yes. firework. Body intelligence is a yeah. real thing. That's a real thing. And and depending on the sound and the direction it came from, your body will shield its main organs. Like it sort of makes an inward turn, guarding the, you know, kidneys, yeah. liver, lungs, heart kind of area. And you just hope for the best. You know. Yeah, it's deep. It's deep. Like you said, there's no control. Um, yeah. So Alexander technique is basically for like for. To shorten it up, long story short, it's a way that we can learn to influence consciously those mechanisms that control our psychophysical right. relationship, mm-hmm. and like in, and eventually learn to consciously inhibit those patterns from happening. Right? You yes. kind of find their root cause. Yes. Well, the thing is also the good thing. Um, one thing that I would like to mention is um, the in-person lesson aspect of it. Because that's a huge, that's a big part of it. Because mm-hmm. um, intellectualizing these ideas is very like... It's like reading about how to ride a bicycle. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, good luck. Yeah. So if somebody who's never been in balance can't read about some, can't read about proper balance and then put themselves in balance. Yeah. Necessarily. You know what I mean? They need to be shown it and felt it. Yeah. So this is somebody, so you get somebody who's been trained to find the balance in themselves, then they can put their hands on you mm. and adjust you <clears throat> You know, and bring you more towards proper use of your primary control, which mm. is your head, neck, torso relationship, and kind of give you that kinesthetic snapshot of like, wow, I'm in ba- this is what, like, when I, the first lesson I ever had, I was playing and um, she kind of lifted my, uh, my teacher, lifted my chest and adjusted my head and said, okay, I want you to, I'm going to put my hand behind your head. I want you to leave your neck free when you inhale and exhale, and so your hand, so your head does not touch the hand that I have in the back of my in the back of your head. And my sounded my sound came out, and it was the easy, it was easiest, the easiest trumpet sound I had ever made, mm-hmm. and it was huge compared right. to my normal sound. You know, normally I you close- probably felt like you're squeezing toothpaste out of a tube, yeah, this, instead of something flowing, something open. flowing exactly. And so that snapshot right there was enough for me to say, wow, like, I'm not here all the time. Like, I'm I'm almost never here. Yeah, this is novel right now, <laughs> this is a so different... I must not be there often. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So it kind of gives you a... So yeah, I don't want to... That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. You could probably say something about um, this whole body awareness thing. Like, what are you going through currently with your, with your left arm on violin? Yeah, never-ending left arm thing. Yeah, I mean, not just with a left arm, but with generally mm-hmm. about every muscle of my body i think generally <laughs> i would say that's real though that's that's yeah. a very alexander uh that's a very, every six that's a very alexander statement right there because 
the unity of the body. Sure, yeah. You know, the yeah. relationships of the muscles keep going. And things. you're probably yeah. smart enough to have connected like, oh, this muscle's a problem. Wait, but this one's connected to this one. Oh, wait. I mean, that's, that's a never-ending cycle. Like, yeah. I lose my mind trying to, like, microanalyze every single muscle at every motion that I'm doing in life, which is mm -hmm. probably against what, like, Alexander <laughs> Technique is, like, you know, kind of going for. But, um, I mean, I took Alexander Technique lessons when I was so young. Like, I was mm. 16. And I remember, like, it was just so interesting. I was, like, lying down in all of them. So, oh, I don't the know. There yeah, the lie downs. Ones. Yeah, that's, the lie downs. Those. Like, take a deep breath and then just, like, do something with the head. Like, I mm -hmm. was just so young to appreciate it. But I remember, like, everything was just feeling just so perfectly the way it's supposed to be. It's, like, a really unique feeling that I never really experienced since then, I guess. You could always come back. You could always come back. Yeah, I guess so. But I'm it's also a cult. Curious. Is it a cult? <laughs> <laughs> I'm also curious. I tried Feldenkrais since then, which is kind of similar. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not, I've, I've, heard, I've heard about it, but I don't honestly don't know much about it. I see. Maybe you could tell me. They were very like similar. similar I thing. think there was no education of posture on okay. Feldenkrais. It's more like the exercises are usually, I don't know, like lying down, like there are sit sitting down exercises as well, but like nothing focusing on your posture. But gotcha. I was just curious how Alexander Technique is different than that. Is it just postural education? Or? Well, it's not really posture. Like I might've said posture because like I said, the the language is tough sometimes to um, like, I, I was literally just talking to a bunch of Alexander teachers who are like, old. Oh, they've been teaching for 20 years, something when I got the scholarship and Oh, so I don't think we said you're going to start oh, yeah. official training. Official next training, yeah. This year? Yeah, September, up. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm except very excited. That's how many years? Uh, Three years. Three years. 1,600 hours. Right. Yeah. Oh, damn, that would be cool, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm super that's, excited. That's a great thing to in exciting, include on a yeah. music resume. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, not only will it be great for you personally, like, to get the training, even if you never use it as a, as a, for as music, a resume yeah. item. For but, sure, for sure. But... um. I feel like that, that that's going to be dope to like get the official. Um, yeah, man. I'm just looking forward to it because I know I have a lot of like unraveling to do, you know, and right. now I have an excuse to really focus on unraveling it, right. which mm -hmm. I won't be feeling like you should be doing this or doing that or doing this. I'm like, no, I have to do this. Your higher now. self is like, <laughs> yeah. force yourself by taking this certification exactly. to do it. Nice. Exactly. Otherwise, you might just watch I might Dark never on do Netflix. <laughs> You'll have to watch <laughs> Five that hours show. In a row. Amazing. It's good? Yeah. My Incredible. friend literally just texted me and told me to watch it. Like you on should, my way here. We, we, yeah, let's not get into dark. Okay. I can't like, sleep yeah. at night. It's like <laughs> trying to like just film that in my head. Like, oh, man. yeah, we, we've had to like, before bed, we finish dark and we watch something random I always have so to that our brains curb. forget it. Or something. I always have to watch a curb after like, yeah, I was watching, um, Game of Thrones with somebody who had never watched it. Okay. And we watched all the way through it, but it was like afterwards, I always had to watch a curb like right after. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm just too like. Just You'll have like cleanser. Carl Jung level dreams of like like oh, yeah. like uh, you know these these psychological concepts of like it's time wait, travel. What right? is good? What is evil? And, <laughs> oh, I'm ready for that. I'm it's ready time for that. travel. It's philosophy of like you know what would it mean to say there is no truth? That's a truth claim. That's a truth. You yeah. know, like and then by claiming anything is how you bring truth into the world. It's that kind of philosophical. Oh well, like, right, yeah, put a pin in that one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bubble that up before it opens put a pin up. In that one. Yeah, put a pin in that one. Uh, so what's, for Alexander Technique, what's the main thing you've noticed from your own body and playing? Was it just that that neck thing were you saying with the breathing or was there any other, well, like for, for me, shoulder is where shoulder. my trumpet tension manifests yeah. and I have to consciously make a mental note as I practice. Okay, right shoulder, relax, relax. And she'll notice 
Yanka will come into the room and just touch the muscle, not even like go, oh, it's tight, just mm. touch it. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize Awareness. I was holding that much tension. There. I actually would say that that's honestly, you just kind of alluded to it, is the increase in awareness mm-hmm. of bodily awareness. Like I'm learning, it would be hard to pick one thing because I'm. it's the, the sensory input is like so much yeah. right now because I'm learning how I'm doing things and how it's how I'm, how I do things, how I make things harder than you're they being need flooded to. with too much information. It's a lot right of information. Now, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of information. But generally, the increase of awareness has been huge because a lot of the times we don't realize that um, our bodies, oftentimes when we're in states of overwhelm or you know dealing with whatever we are dealing with psychologically in the back of our minds. Mm-hmm we vacated awareness from different parts of our body. Mm. Um, in Alexander Technique, there's a principle that's called unreliable sensory appreciation. It's bas- It basically means, for, in layman's terms, that you become so comfortable in an uncomfortable sure. situation that that has become comfortable. You know what I'm saying? That's just how our psychology works, so, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's really, what that really is, is a lack of awareness. So, for instance... Uh, Walking was was is a huge thing because I walk, I walk, I try to walk every day, for at least an hour. And right before, again, right before uh, all this stuff happened with the virus, um, I was getting my last Alexander lesson, which was I think was March tenth or eleventh or something like right. that. When you were like, "Oh, what's this coronavirus thing in the news?" Yeah, I'm in Manhattan, like <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Getting, chilling, you know, just hanging out. Yeah. And not thinking about like when you touch the handle to open the yeah, Starbucks door, you know like I mean? that matters. Like, like, like it could kill me immediately. Yeah, not even thinking about it. But um, so you know, kind of passing, I said to my teacher, um, yeah. So I've been taking walks. I'm, I think I'm gonna you know try to continue walking on a daily basis just for my health and my sanity. Um, is there anything I should be thinking about while I walk? Mm-hmm. And she said, Yeah, let me see you walk. <laughs> so I walked, so I just like walked around the apartment and she was like, you're picking your foot up too fast before the, before, like if this, I'm sure they can't see me, but you guys can I'm, see me. I'm totally yeah. sure they can't see yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you put in this one? Uh, before there should be like a, a contact on the heel and you should pretty much roll through your entire foot and mm-hmm. uh, pushing off with your big toe is what is the instruction okay. I was given. So what I was doing was before my big toe was really able to come in contact, I was lifting my foot, okay. kind of like rushing or hurry in a kind of a hurried fashion. Yeah. So at the time when she was telling me to do that, then she had me do because I couldn't really get it. Sometimes you don't get it right away because you've been doing things for so long. You hear the words, you hear the but words. you're not going to change your body. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So she had me do a an exercise where I literally just dragged my foot to to feel my toes coming in contact with the ground to get that kind of feeling of my toes right. coming in contact with the ground. So it still didn't really do much. A couple days later, I'm walking. And I'm just, you know, doing my thing. I'm walking. And I'm thinking, okay, she was, let's let's look at my walking. Let's put my awareness on my feet right now. Mm -hmm. That I probably never did that in my life. Because I never had a reason to. You know what I mean? I've been walking since I could walk. Yeah. Like, why? I know how to walk, you know? Unless there's a crack in the sidewalk, you're pretty damn good at it. I'm not even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But I said, let me put my awareness on my feet. And I said, hmm, okay. She was kind of right. My feet aren't all the way, all my feet aren't contacting the ground Mm -hmm. and they don't feel very relaxed. Like I feel like I'm somewhat tense. Almost like, Mm -hmm. like almost crawling, like, like 
Yeah, like there's not really like the 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 flexibility mm-hmm. of my foot like actually like pushing off the ground like the ground supporting me, me pushing myself mm-hmm. off the ground. It's like being in a chair and feeling like, you know, sometimes we feel like we're holding ourselves up on a chair, sometimes we feel Instead like the chair is supporting. Chair. Exactly. Sure. So I thought to myself, okay, let me relax my feet. Can I relax? Can my feet be 10% more relaxed? Or I might have felt something, you know, 5%. Mm-hmm. And immediately just putting my awareness on my feet, like it totally changed the way my, like my feet totally relaxed. I realized my feet were, were very unrelaxed as, sure. actually. And it totally changed the sensation of walking. It was like, it was a different. Yeah. And not only did my feet change, but that changed the way my legs felt and my hips, my pelvis and my arms started to sway like much more naturally. It was like a shockwave, you know, it was like a positive yeah. <laughs> wave through my entire body. And it was like, wow, you know, this is a whole different scenario that I never would have even thought. It's like once you paid attention to it, you put a spotlight on it and you exactly. can heal the problems there. But like you never otherwise put a spotlight there because it's walking. Who the hell the awareness is think there. about walking? Yeah, if the awareness, if you don't act, if you don't, if you're not able to have the awareness, how could you ever know if what you're doing is you know the most right the it's best that way mindful to awareness too the right it's not awareness. just any awareness it's yeah. not like oh my feet hurt from walking all day oh yeah. like yeah yeah it's like it's working like, with yourself it's like, yeah yeah am i relaxed as am i relaxed as i could be is that you know and something might not have happened that when that happened because sometimes i do that and i i just realized oh wow i'm playing trumpet right now i have literally a death grip on the trumpet <laughs> i'm in the middle of a i'm in the middle of a gig or something and i'm like wow my hand is like glued to the trumpet can i stop it no like, right at least i'm aware like, yeah the grip yeah. on the trumpet can be crazy man it hurts but yeah that's another thing i'm working on i'm working on now i'm just working but <laughs> i remember during uh playing trumpet shell sound one solo which is a really long yeah you know, what would you say a page and a quarter with a repeat so almost like yeah. two no and a half pages no man's land it's yeah no it's crazy land. it's so long you, you're almost guaranteed to get tired it's just a matter of if you will die or not you, you gotta know? stay calm though you gotta stay calm the whole time but sometimes, and luckily these have always been in rehearsals where the music stops anyways to fix something. Mm. But I notice, like my knuckle, this is on Baroque trumpet. So my third knuckle on my left hand is like about ready to burst. Like it's insane pain Rasping. because I was grabbing the the ball of the trumpet, the corpus yeah. so hard. I'm like, what am I doing? I was just trying to fight with Handel and be like, yeah. I got this. Luckily, they stop the music because then if you try to fight like that for more than a minute, you you hit full fatigue anyways. It's over, yeah. It's over. It's so interesting how that works. And you're finding the same thing on violin, right? Like yeah. with your so, left hand stuff, Yanka's been like a lot of coming stories. out of the practice room, aka some room in our apartment, including <laughs> maybe the bathroom if we're both Usually practicing. Usually bathroom, yeah. <laughs> um, she'll come out and be like, I figured it out. It's just this muscle is doing this and this one's not, you know, balancing or something. I'm, I'm like, all right. Basically <laughs> about the muscle situation. Yeah, I'm trying to, like I realized that I have been, I, I mean, it's a long story, but I have been just using the wrong muscles to do certain motions. And I've been doing that for so long that it, like when I muscle, feel like muscle I- recruitment is like so sharp. Yeah. That's what my teacher says to me. Cause right now I'm, I'm working, I'm not to cut you off, but. I'm working on a similar, I'm working with a similar habit of mine where I have uh, kind of some tension in here in my, mm-hmm. in, in the center of my chest that affects my, that's on my exhale. 
Mm-hmm. Like right before I exhale, I brace a little bit. Mm. Especially if I'm about to play something hard or high or anything like that. Isn't that mm-hmm. the trumpet player bad yeah, habit? Yeah, I brace and it's my it's like it's like a down it's like a down contraction basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That if if I'm feeling a certain type of way, that will happen and it would happen quick. And I was doing it in my lesson and she says, "Wow, you're good at that." <laughs> so meaning like oh, at a, at a time, it's kind of like a you know we do things we create habits because at one point they served us. It was successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At one point that got me through whatever I was, you know, maybe a couple times. So maybe well, a couple times those muscles, but now yeah. when it's time to take it away and try to reevaluate, you know. That's quite interesting. I think Yeah. yeah. I'm trying harder. to piece that together in my brain. Um It must be so hard to work with breast though. Like that's not something like your diaphragm is not the type of muscle that you try can physically it. control. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can like look at my muscles and then figure out on my arm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but diaphragm must be so hard. It's more it's internal and less visual. It's, yeah. And, and yeah. it's yeah, it's really hard to teach. Conceptually, Working. it's it's for me, I'm I'm taking actually a workshop right now on breathing. It's called Breathe Easier. Um, at the Riverside Initiative for Alexander Technique. I'm taking the course Breathe Harder. It's right across the street. <laughs> it's a Wim Hof method. <laughs> Literally, I was taking this class. I was like, wow, Wim Hof probably wouldn't like this class. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see him sit down and be like, this is bullshit. Everyone come on. Breathe. Breathe. In. Breathe. It's like a wave. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also realizing that, like you said, it's very... You can't see what's going on. Like they give us a lot of diagrams, which are very helpful. But a lot of the times, it's like music. Sometimes it's much easier sometimes to learn conceptually or to learn like with an abstract yeah. metaphor. You know, somebody says like play bouncier. Like you kind of know what that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it gets you where you need to go. What are they going to say? Literally, what to do? With literally, your like put your, your tongue, yeah. Literally, on. like move yeah. your wrist like this. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But play bouncier. Play. You, you know, know how your tongue is going just below the bottom tip of your teeth. Adjust that position slightly high. It's like, yeah, all right, exactly. you lost me. Yeah. Yeah, that's tell, why tell me it's so here. unbelievable to watch you teaching, for instance. It's such a different type of teaching. Like I overhear you, like this whole quarantine, the way you teach. It's almost like you're trying to teach something that's not there. Like everybody's different. How do you teach trumpet or like any brass instrument? beginning yeah. students. I like go, impossible. where are the notes? Yeah. And they yeah. point to the valves on the trumpet. I'm like, yeah. those like, are, those are um, buttons. Where are the notes? Yeah. And like, I'll show them like a piano and be like, here, here's a note, right? Here's a note. Where are our notes? And they're like, oh, I, I guess I don't know. I'm Is like, that what you prefer they... in lessons when somebody teaches you? Like conceptual teaching or, I mean, I guess oh. it depends on what it is, on what, what you're working on. Of yeah, course, I but... think, I think it depends on, yeah, yeah. I, I prefer that though. I, I want to kind of, I want somebody to take me on a journey from like first principles Kind of show me like you'll fill in all these details along the way and here's where, where you'll get. And then mm-hmm. I can trust them as a teacher and go, I trust the where I'll get part. Yeah. And then I trust that if I do the work you set out for me, that I will trace myself through those details. So through the more technical. Aspects. Yeah. I, so I like to start with the scaffolding first so that I can hang the information on something in my mind, like a concept yeah. instead yeah, of concepts. just, I mean, but there are benefits of diving into the chaos of let's say Alexander technique or meditation or whatever, yeah. and then seeing what you build on your own to try and organize it. Yeah. You just have to live with a lot more difficult beginning stage. Yeah, it's now. interesting. People learn differently, you know? Like, um, I have had students where I have to literally tell them, like, okay, when you play, when you do that, you're putting your hands, you're crunching, it's cutting off the air. No matter what I tell them, uh, play like a feather no matter what i tell them they're still crunching yeah you know what i mean and they're still like 
their tongue is too hard, whatever. So there's some people who learn like that, but there's some people who are having those same physical issues, but then I could just say, relax, play lighter, play bouncier. And then sure. I, then I play, then they hear it and they say, okay, then they kind of, they see me, they feel what I just did. Yeah. And they're able to replicate that. I think that's just like a skill that some people have that some people, people just learn differently. Certainly in music. I yeah, think yeah. we're all built with like the learning. Is it the same module? with violin? I mean, you can teach, we teach so much more physically. I think like we just hands on a gotcha. lot. So there are gotcha. a lot of, there are so much, there's so much stuff. Is it there fine? we go. See? Okay. There's your rich Yanka voice. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much stuff that physical stuff that you can actually intervene. Gotcha. So. I've never, like, I think violin teaching is not abstract at all at gotcha. first. That's why, remember you were like... Uh, when I first heard your lesson? Yeah, or do you always yeah, teach was, this technically? Like, I'm like, yeah, what do you mean? I just, she was like, your pinky here, this. I was like, Whoa. Piano's like that. When so I used to get piano lessons, that was very, uh, well, also I got taught by um, a somewhat angry Ukrainian concert yeah. organist. That's oh, got its own, beautiful own special flavor to it. <laughs> I actually took over a student but... from an angry, I think, Ukrainian teacher that the, uh, this made the student cry. Yeah. And, um, I loved her, though. She was so happy when I didn't make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's real love, right? <laughs> it's a, she would literally bang on the piano like, I was missing. It's a G. She would bang on the piano. Oh, my God. Russian yes. method is successful. My teacher. First Depends teacher, how you define success. She would throw books at my face. <laughs> it was really nice. Here I am. Well, yeah. Look at me today. <laughs> With all your muscle tension all and my, violent yeah. skills. All my messed up <laughs> They come injuries. as a package, right? <laughs> it's interesting, though, like, what, how different personalities cope with different teaching stuff. With, like, for instance, like, I was taught by, you know, different teachers. I'm sure we all were. My, my current teacher, very much more hands-off than mm -hmm. the previous one. Mm -hmm. um, the previous one, very tough, very, you know, goal-oriented, like, this needs to be done. When coming for a lesson, this needs to be done. Right. You know what I mean? If it's not done. There's no, oh, I kind of decided to work on this instead. No, <laughs> no, no, there's no, not yeah. none of that. Okay. None of that. So that honestly, and it's I'm not to blame because it's every person reacts differently. It's why you can have, you know, kids in the same home reacting to parenting in different ways, totally different yeah. ways. But my, the way I kind of, the way I dealt with that was... To do all the things, so I so like to not fold, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But that created so much tension, hmm. so I wouldn't fold. It was almost like I was bracing myself to not fold, like yeah. under, under the pressure, under <laughs> the, you know what I mean. And then when I get to this, my current teacher, he's like, "It's all up to you." I'm like, I'm built from a for a whole different sport right now. Almost. <gasps> what I you know? are you talking about, Kevin? Yeah, I'm talking yeah. About Kevin. So yeah. one of the things, Kevin Cobb. Um, one of the things I loved about his teaching is like in the trumpet world, there's such a problem of gripping too hard, psychologically speaking. Yes. To your playing, to your ego, to your all that stuff. And his teaching approach, like indirectly, sort of gets you to detach from caring about those things and yes. just sort of like just play. In a way, like he kind of tries to figure out the person's personality and then help them sort of let go of their own ego problems or whatever. Definitely. So that you, because his, his idea would be, and I think this is mine too, and as far as I can tell, if you can free up your mind, the body goes with it. And like all my auditions when I was like 19, 20, 21, 22, like, I would show up and I did not know what the word mindfulness was. 
I was almost just like, oh, it's a flip of a coin if I'll get nervous, like in no a control, yeah. debilitating <laughs> kind of way. Yeah, that's too real, man. So yeah, I think that's the the way to do it. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into the the uh, last little segment here, which would be like music, meaning, mindfulness, and like how to piece together being a musician with the the mindfulness stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I found this quote today. I'm just going to read it real quick to sort of get us going. I This is called Music, Mind, and Meaning. So Nice. They got, somebody stole my somebody, idea. Basically. Somebody's close to stealing your idea. <laughs> you better almost, get on it fast. Somebody almost got me. <laughs> I almost pitched the idea actually as a course at this really? place I teach. Um, they do like adult courses for art and stuff and they don't have any for music that isn't like learning drums or something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, can I teach a music appreciation class for adults? Like, and just talk about music, meaning, and mindfulness. Yeah, that would be dope, man. Connect all the dots, and then yeah. COVID happened, and I, I pitched uh, the idea, and then they were like, what? And I was like, I'll send you a detailed email, and it'll make more sense than whatever I just rambled at you, like, yeah. in the hallway, but... Yeah. Um, that would be cool. That would definitely be cool for adults. I think it would be not work for kids and be perfect for adults who aren't even musicians, but just want to connect deep dots, and then be able to watch and listen to a Mahler symphony and like sort of spiritually heal as part of that, instead of just being like, Oh, the music was lovely. You know, yeah. like there's, you can learn how to connect more deeply to it without being a musician. I think definitely. Um, So anyways, this quote from this little essay was, why do we like music? We are, we are all reluctant with regard to music and art to examine our sources of pleasure or strength. In part, we fear success itself. We fear that understanding might spoil enjoyment. Rightly so, art often loses power when its psychological roots are exposed. No matter when this happens, we will go on, as always, to seek more robust illusions. Hmm. So it's like this idea of... Of the mystery. The mystery. Being infatuated with the mystery of it all. mm, and, And will there always be further mystery? So anyways, where where do you think the idea of the word meaning, however you define that, enters into the like how does music have meaning um that's a that's a loaded question that's a loaded question I'm a loaded sorry. question for sure but i'm gonna i'm gonna tee it off to you and we could just talk about it yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll riff on it i'll riff on it um music and meaning clearly like music has it's a it's a byproduct of humanity like wherever there humans civilization music has been present from what we can see yeah. you know um in our present day, music is such a part of our everyday lives. You know, with our consumption of media, um, we're often like bombarded with music. Sometimes before we even realize it, like there's a commercial. You're like, "What was? What's?" Yeah, the you kind jingle. Of, yeah, you kind of remember the song before you even know what the commercial was about. Works you on know your what subconscious. I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, and so for me, meaning has such a large array of me music has such a large array of uh applications yeah you know what i mean when i think but personally when i think about music and mindfulness i think of more about uh communication and i think about expression and i think about believe it or not um a uh a canonization of um things that a canonization of uh ideals that we want to promote mm. 
right? Patterns. Patterns. Winter Marsalis said that he gets uh, deep about music. Yeah, yeah, he gets deep. Yeah. Winter Marsalis says that uh music currently has become kind of the myth of has taken the place in many form, in many ways as the myth of our as the myth of, of an age yeah. of different ages. And in the myths you kind of encapsulate what it is that you want to preserve. Sure. You get what I'm saying? You preserve it in a through, form that's not through the art, you know. Obvious and and literal, right? Yes. It it actually affects the thing from the top down from throughout the entire structure of it. You right. know what I mean? Well, yeah, what is a Mahler symphony? What is that? Um what what myth is that um putting as its structure? It's something like the hero myth, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, you can—I mean—you can get deep when you talk when you talk about thematic development. You can get deep with yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like thematic development, the use of you know musical quotation. Like you can get really deep. Like yeah. you can get very deep. But even like if you if you take it down a scale, you know what I mean? Um, and you think of something like I've been recently thinking a lot about gospel, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh. Even even though it's much more simple, right, than a Mahler symphony, like a gospel structure or a blues structure. Sure, you much could write a simple, shorter paper to get the, the to full get, understanding. Yeah, of to it. get like yeah. to be able to play it or whatever, or to be able to like intellectualize what mm-hmm. somebody's doing when they play it. Sure. That doesn't mean that you can't play it, but you can intellectualize yeah. what's happening when they play it. But um, it's getting across a very profound, like the profundity of it is not affected. Like from a Mahler, like you can get the same level of experience mm-hmm. in the in the correct in the right listener yeah. you know what i mean so um yeah I, I literally uh just ran just said what came to my mind right after that quote but um yeah expression communication expression um the ability to communicate with another the the ability to communicate my expression to somebody else, yeah, and for them to have the ability to interpret that, how and and to make it relevant in their life, you know what I mean? And it's always, <clears throat> I love the idea that communication of any kind is always an act of translation. Yes, even when we're speaking the same English. Yes, even when we're both trumpet players hearing the same music, the subjective experience I have, or you should say, that I create. Because when you hear something, you, you don't it just through. hear it. You're not a receiver. Yes. You're not a radio receiver of sound. You're actually a creator of sound. Yes. It's the raw data plus your pre-interpretive structure of what to expect. Yes. You know, if you heard the best trumpet player in the world, it would take you a longer time to be like, I think this actually sucks. You know, like <laughs> you're going to imprint on like it's like the bias of like, this is supposed to be the best sound in the world or something. Yeah. We always bias our our input data with our pre-loaded pattern being, formations and human. stuff. Yeah. But of course, that's also how music works, right? Definitely. I have this experience often. Um, there we go, the ferry, C-sharp. Um, the ferry always does a C-sharp. You get a, you get yeah. a plus. Yeah. A plus for oral skills. For for me, like the whole, the, have you ever heard Jordan Peterson talk about music? Yeah. He has a good. I like his. I like his, uh, his spiel on music. It's nice. He's. Not, I've heard it a few times in different contexts. Um, one that I saw recently, he was talking to the psychologist um, Ian McKill McGilchrist. Okay. Um, he's I don't this know British guy who wrote a book called The Master and His Emissary, 
And the idea is your the two hemispheres of your brain, one being the master in this myth where mm-hmm. the master sees the big picture, knows all, okay, but has trouble getting things done and 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 doing the details, right? It's a big picture kind of guy. Yeah. The emissary is the person that listens to the master and goes off and does the tasks that, you know, oh, get this done, and the emissary goes and figures it out. There's a whole myth there, but the idea is your right hemisphere is the big picture, see the forest, and your left hemisphere is the detail-oriented, see the trees. Yeah. And the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere sort of play this tension game inhibiting each other. They both see the world with their very different viewpoints, Mm -hmm. and in the balance is where you... um, exist as an ideal human one foot in chaos the right hemisphere one foot in order the left hemisphere and then he was describing how that is that our bodies down to that um, lobster level of neurochemistry are wired to feel meaning when you are properly balanced in that balance between right and left, being open to new things, following your rule system, chaos There's order. a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot. And that music is meaningful to us because imagine if you just heard a Mozart symphony where you're given a theme and then it just ends. You would be like, nothing happened, right? Mm-hmm. What, we're do- what, what, what happens though is we get given a theme, we get given a counter idea, and then we hear them play out. They develop by going out in the world, so to speak, and seeing, oh, this idea I had, does it hold up to scrutiny? And then it, they transform along the development and come back in the recapitulation at the end of the movement as themes that are, they have everything they previously had plus the new things, right? Yeah. They're, they're transformed into something more robust and better. And then we hear that as the hero's journey. Right. Yeah, it's a very narrative. It's a very like on narrative, such a low level of psychology though. structure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Winzone talks about that too. How music with it, specifically with a developmental section, like has like certain psychological value, mm. um, which I agree with. I would agree with that for sure. And I think that that's one of the listening to classical music. I think that's one of the most enriching things about it. You know, if you're able to. Uh, it's also meant to be consumed a lot of times, so you don't have to. You go yes. back and you know yes. listen to it a bunch of times. So you can understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's a certain inv- level of investment, also. It, you have to invest you know, in actually hearing it with like the kind of focus that is needed. Yeah. Yeah. You have to invest in multiple listenings. Yeah, Mahler Five didn't make sense to me. Mahler's Fifth Symphony uh, until I don't know number sec- six, seven, eight. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. first time I heard it, I was like. I was like, those chorale parts were really nice. What was with all the other stuff? You know, <laughs> like I just yeah. it didn't hit me with like meaning. And yeah. now I hear it, I'm like, oh God, Mahler was suffering. I can hear it. Yeah. You know, it's painful, man. Yeah, it's painful, it's painful to invest in it. I painful, think so. um, the way you're introduced into music it also really affects your hearing experience. Yeah, like, because you've mentioned that you grew up in a musical family, you heard mm-hmm. gospels, like, which is such a nice way of like having that as like your base thing you know what i mean like the non-russian I, teacher yeah, i grew the book up in a way. conservatory system <laughs> oh, like wow. it was just very that's technical totally from yeah. the beginning so that's how i got used to hearing music and it was just so hard to tune out from that and in mm. that way i really don't 
appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Like, you mean it's, it's hard to hear music without that technical part of yeah. your mind being... Like, you can't really turn that off after a while, and then everything becomes too mechanical, like, the mm-hmm. process in your brain, the way you perceive. Obviously, you know... Do you have... Do you listen to... What do you listen to to just chill out? Do you have anything you listen to to just relax? <laughs> yeah. Heavy or metal. Heavy metal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Really? No, you have great musical taste. Like every time I mean, you heavy put metal, something like, on in the car, metal, I'm like, "Oh, did you yeah. save that? I want to get into that." Like, yeah, um, that that asp- I'm talking about like other genres. I've never had any problem, but with classical, with classical music, I never. You didn't go to metal it. conservatory. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, the, a little bit of space. Yeah. The space. Yeah. I think they really like that system of education. Really created a space and barrier in between. Like how I'm you sure you can knock music. that barrier down. Oh, I already did. I'm just yeah. saying it's a hard time. I think it's more yeah. unnatural, like more natural to a person who grew up without that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree mm-hmm. with that. I'd yeah. agree with that. It's certainly yeah. in terms of just... I mean, for me, I love band. Like, that's really what yeah. got me into classical music because I wasn't. I didn't know anything about orchestras growing up um, when I was a kid. You were like, trumpet in the orchestra? Yeah. What heck's that? Like, literally, <laughs> like I went to orchestra. Like, my, my high school had an orchestra, but they would bring the trumpets in because all the trumpets were in band. Uh-huh. So they would bring us in like... For the holiday chorus or something. Yeah, they would bring us in like right before the performance or like, you know, a couple of weeks before the performance and just give us the music and we would just play, oh, okay. you know. Yeah. But in band, we were playing like, you know, Copeland yeah. and like Granger and Percy like, Granger, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the whole suites. I haven't played in band in so long. Yeah, man. And then when I went to... So that kind of gave me... Um, band is a little... It's kind of like a sport. It's like... Yeah. There's really no... It's mm-hmm. not... When you compare, like, band music to Mahler, it's hard to take it as seriously, and I don't know why. I I, I won't sit here and say I've analyzed Percy Granger and the complexity is nowhere near well, that. It depends. Of, it's just... It doesn't hit me as serious music yeah. as much. I don't know why. Sometimes. Well, what's your, what's your band... What's your band... Uh, what's your, what is your band... Like I've never been relationship. in a dope band. I okay, played, see that that's it right yeah. there. That's it right there. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I could switch from like band being a requirement to orchestra, I did it right you did, away. Yeah, I feel you. When I was in, when I went to get my masters, well, in my undergrad too, in Buffalo, my band director had a thing for. He didn't care like if we weren't Eastman or if we weren't this or that. We we always played like extremely high level music like on purpose. So we played like you know. Um, old things like the Granger, um, but we also played, you know, new the new composers because band is mostly like yeah, it's mostly like newer composers, you know, which is I mean? one of the great things about it. Yeah, that's uh, the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. Um, and when I went to my masters, I had a great, an amazing band director named Dennis Glocky, mm-hmm. who um, amazing. He he was an amazing conductor. So like he was an amazing conductor and he picked amazing stuff and and I took his class on you know wind band literature mm-hmm. so my I have a little bit more you got of like the a full experience yeah like I dove head first into band yeah. mu- into like you know some you know wind ensemble oh I'm sure if I were in that situation yeah, I'd come it. out yeah, yeah. and be like yo band music I just had access to <laughs> a guy yeah I just yeah. had access to a guy who was you know so enthusiastic yeah but you know I'm sure like now I realize that that's not usually the case I was kind of fortunate in that regard. It is a good thing, yeah. I mean, I, I really think it, I'm 30 now. I think the last time I played in a band might have been when I was 17 mm. or 18. They're not, they're, not, they're not really around. They're not really around. Well, People the ones really that are them. are like the lame community bands where it's more like watching an episode of The Office than, yeah. than being in a musical situation. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. But it's also, you know, it's a different type of, it's a different type of pressure when you got 
12 trumpets yeah. and they're yelling at you about uh, it's a nation. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit. That's a certain kind of pressure. The skill set is way different. Ooh, yeah, that's a certain kind of pressure right there, man. Where there's, you know, where there's not really. That's what I mean. I've never been in a in a good enough band where I'm ever like, yeah, these other people are really listening. It was like, <laughs> I was in a decent band in high school. Like that was, you know, you had to audition for it, and it was like people from different high schools on on the whole Long Island like coming together, but. Even then, it was the whole ego thing of like every trumpet player was like, I wonder if my sound can stick out of the group. I wonder if I could blast. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder who I could yeah. blast. I would have that. I mean, trumpet that players would have that. That's true. I was just talking to a student today about like the, the whole trumpet ego problem. And I was saying like there must be a selection pressure for trumpet players that selects for really confident people who don't question things and, and just kind of like are meatheads. Like I just got to play the notes that are there. Boom, boom, boom. And that's why the more reflective trumpet players have to like go through this whole ordeal of like sorting out their mind. Yeah. Cause it's really hard to be self-aware and successful at trumpet. You have yeah. to like sort out a lot of problems. A lot of stuff. Yeah. It's a lot easier to have the lights off and just be like, you know, you know, and just play perfectly. Yeah. It's tough, man. But yeah, certainly wouldn't be the meaningful version of music i guess so can i ask you a question yanka mm -hmm. so just i was really interested in what you said about uh growing up with the conservatory mindset mm -hmm. so um how did you deal with and you just give me the best answer you can deal with you, you can but how did you deal with things like uh like competition pressure things like um <laughs> uh dealing with issues of self-identifying with your mistakes or lack of mistakes when you play because that's something as i as i'm getting information for this you know music meaning and mindfulness uh -huh. this is the type of thing that i want to really want to deal with um on the classical side is you mean for musicians for musicians on the classical the class, side, yeah. yeah is how is is the relationship between um your self-worth and or even like the worth of your or even the the worth of yourself engaging in music because like how often do we get to the point where it's like man i messed up so many times like should i even be doing this like why am i doing this you know what i mean mm -hmm. i've gotten there a bunch of times so but i feel like if i grew up in a conservatory i wouldn't even be here right now probably playing <laughs> like right you may have just left it long ago. yeah i might have just left like yeah you know what i mean but um totally. what do you can you speak on that yeah that's a very difficult question so um I mean, I have quit almost so many times. Like, I remember two very major moments in my life where I'm like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And one of them, like, I was really old. But I mean, I, I think I'm still learning how to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so Is I don't think that works like a month, like things that anything you've learned to help you with that or. um, Or does meditation help you with that? Absolutely. Or, I know? was just getting that. I think like self-awareness comes with like questioning your self-worth constantly that's the downside so that meditation definitely helped me gotcha. i incorporated it like way later in my life but um what else helped me like you after a while start rolling with punches is that was the idiom right yeah yeah, yeah like basically perseverance. get some perseverance some uh yeah toughness like what started happening to me is thicker like, skin yeah there you go. yeah exactly i was like so uncomfortable about so many situations but then i started putting myself in those situations on purpose like mm. it can be an audition a performance where you feel extremely super uncomfortable i just like kept 
purposefully doing that torture to myself and then nice. it started getting better you I get guess. over it right yeah. you don't get over it ever i don't think so but well i think the body easier. adapts like when you do yeah. the same activity or maybe 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 you don't get over it but maybe like you realize i'm not dead like i'm still here exactly yeah, like, <laughs> yeah it gets easier to gotcha. handle the the, yeah. the scary object in the dark is much scarier in your mind than when you turn the light on and see that it's um, the tree shadow from outside or, or you know, whatever it is. It's not the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, not it's not the, the certainly not the boogeyman. Yeah. It might be a tiger in your house, but like whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. That's something I'm looking I was actually gearing up to try to, you know, get on my audition game and my, and then COVID mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, that's one of the hard parts of yeah, COVID, man. And it's like, with. it's hard for musicians to look in, into the future right now yeah. and know like, what's my plan? A large part of like psychological stability comes from aiming at different time scales. Yeah. Do you know what you're going to do later today? Next week, next month, a year from now, a year from now. Yeah. And you're constantly setting yourself up to not be fucked at any yeah. one of those stages. Facts. That's a fact. If you're going to be fucked by tonight, like, you know, you, you, you know, maybe rents due because the, yeah. the, the no rent period is about to end. <laughs> you know, like the moratorium. The moratorium. Yeah. <laughs> So I think for musicians, because there's no auditions and it's unclear what what's happening with concerts and yeah, it's for, really you know, weird psychologically. So also on top of that, man, just on a just on a even more like baseline level, I realized when I don't play with people, my playing goes down. My playing turns into shit. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Like what? Well, like if I'm not have people, if I don't have that little bit of pressure of people being around yeah. when I play, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Of me like, okay, I re- I know I got three rehearsals this week. It's Sunday. <laughs> Let me get the horn on the face. Yeah. Me- <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me make sure my articulation is what is. Yeah. Let me make sure my slurs and my air. At this age, it's impossible to keep up with practicing if you don't have anything coming up. Nothing's coming up. Nothing. So I just started. Yeah. Honestly, I bought my trumpet. I don't even. We don't even have to play. I just started bringing my trumpet everywhere. Where I get, wherever I go, like like. And I told I, I've been um hanging out with Ryan. Uh-huh. I told him if you come to my place, bring it too. But man, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't care if we play like three notes. I just need to play around another human being, right? That hears what you know. Even if I sound hard, like I just need to like play. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because that goes away. You know. Well, you, all of a sudden, you might find yourself nervous the next time that's, you play. That's and you're exactly like, oh, what I'm saying. I don't want that. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I already dealt with that. Yo, <laughs> I, I got over it. That's yeah. exactly, yo, that's exactly it. Like, just the just the nervousness of like, yeah. Yeah. you know. Of being judged. Yeah. Like, the right before the cold shower feeling. Like, when you're like, yeah. Oh, I, uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the, 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 uh, we were saying this just that. The episode right before this one, um, there's a book called The Flinch, Flinch. talking about the moment. I mean, it's kind of similar to what you were saying with the with the startle reflex, right? Yeah. But the flinch is like the moment right before you flip the water to cold or right before you do anything you know will make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Even if you just imagine sending in the application to take an audition, you'll feel like an essence of a flinch in your nervous system of like being scared of that thing. Yeah. And so this book is all about like learn to become mindful and notice the flinch and then definitely do that thing. That sounds like a good book. (laughs) Text me that, man. Um, I found a free PDF of it online. Yeah. I mean, I mean, buy it on Amazon through our affiliate yeah. link. We'll I'll set def- that up. I'll definitely, <laughs> buy, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely buy that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the other, the other uh, aspect of the music and meaning thing was just the, um, the, the layers to it. So like when Peterson talks about that, 
instinct of meeting that our nervous systems have. You mm-hmm. know when you're listening to music and you feel the chills yes. go up your spine and through your body? Yes. Maybe the end of Mahler's Second Symphony or any Mahler symphony sometimes. Yeah. Um, in fact, oh, sh- what was I reading today? Um, uh, uh, I forget the name of the blog. It's it's a really popular blog, but it was talking about a Viktor Frankl quote where he said, do you, do you have you ever been to a classical music concert, your favorite symphony, and you get that feeling of chills running up your spine? He goes, are you really asking me if life has meaning? You know? Yeah, that's real. I mean, that is the meaning itself. Yeah, certain things just hit you, man. Certain things just hit you. And I get that, I get that feeling probably, probably because of my upbringing, mm-hmm. but like, that's the feeling that I, when I, when the music is right to me, like, that's what I get. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the Alignment. feeling. It's the feeling that I get. That's like when I was like, not to be cliche, but when I was a little kid mm-hmm. and the, I heard the chord on the organ or something and I was like, yeah, music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know anything about music. Like, you know, I'd never touched a musical instrument, but like something just said, like, music is right. Yeah. Like, it just hit me, like, in my, like, in my soul, like, you know, for lack of better terms, like, it just hit me in my soul. Well, that I think that's what it does. Yeah. That's, that's, the word soul is our stand-in mouth sound for something in our experience the inta- that our we intangible can't understand. part. Yeah, our intangible. Transcendent. Transcendent. That's the word yeah. right there. Yeah. And I get that, man. I get that. It's funny. The thing is, with me, it's so interesting with music because I get that feeling with so many different types of music. Mm-hmm. Like I get that feeling when when I'm listening to somebody rap and they say something and it's just like whoa it just hits me like sure. you know mm-hmm. or like or classical music or you know um, if they speak truth or, right the truth and or if I'm reading a book you know what I mean and this, yeah. you know you, you, oh, read a book, yeah. you ever read a book and then you read it and you're like you don't even have you don't need any citations <laughs> you don't need any like if you read somebody who doesn't know you a book was probably written like 50 years ago. But they speak specifically to what just happened to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, in in like a way that's like you. true on the large scale, but specifically yes. perfect for <laughs> Yes. Sometimes like, I'll stand up from the couch, I'll be like Like they were narrating your life. <laughs> oh shit. And now look stood up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it could have been the next sentence. Yeah. yeah. I love those because I usually yeah. sit with that one sentence for the rest of the day. It hits you so yeah. hard. Like really great writers have sentences that that make you go, Whoa, I'm gonna unpack that for the yeah. next hour, you know? Yeah. And that's why that's why honestly on um on Instagram I'm taking a little break from Instagram just cuz I've been overdoing it with the you know with social distancing. Yeah. But that's why I share doing the same That's thing. why I yeah. share so many things and uh that's why I share like books or book quotes or like songs. I might share like the same song like like five times in a row. Right. right. <laughs> because literally anytime I get that feeling with like the chills or like what like it just hits me like I just share it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just share it. And Do you get it less as you get older? I I purposely seek it out. That's like I'm nice. I, I'm like I'm the type of person I listen to a lot of things and I you know I'm like you guys you know I'm trying to keep the intellect sharp keep the ears sharp mm-hmm. so I'm just listening to different stuff all the yeah. time. <laughs> so the chances I feel like the chances of me getting hit with that are larger than maybe somebody who sure. listens to the same <laughs> stuff or reads the same stuff. I think we we have similar personalities like we, we sort of know like. There's a higher wisdom, like, oh, you should seek that out. You should go get it. But there's yeah. another voice in my head that sometimes goes, fuck that. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'm going to put on, I, I have this like seven day free, t- seven day ticket 
um, like a voucher thing for the the Berlin Philharmonic's online concert thing. Nice. And I've just been putting off like doing it because I know when I activate it, I'm going to feel the guilt to well, use I it every day. Enjoy it. it. Yeah. And then sometimes so part of me like resists, like, I don't know if I want to watch a Mahler symphony tonight, even though yeah. the other part of me is like, you need that, you know? Yeah. It's weird how that works. But when every every time I actually do it, even if it's just listening to a movement of something. Yeah, you kind of got to be right go, for it. I oh, go, You yeah. kind of got to be right for it also. Mm. You kind of get that feeling when you're like... Oh, the yeah. It's like even food. Like It's like food. It's like... Yeah, it's a Chinese you know food kind of night. You kind of know, <laughs> you you know, you know what you want. Yeah. Like, you know what you want. It's like, oh, yeah. I had tacos. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just listen to Mahler. You know, I just listened to Mahler. <laughs> I'm really not looking to have Mahler for dinner yeah. again. <laughs> no, I totally know what you mean. That's yeah. a good point. Um yeah, so the, the the meaning thing was basically like, I think music has these layers of meaning. Mm -hmm. It works on the, the measure scale, on the phrase scale, eight measures, right? Or whatever it is. It works on the section scale, like yeah. dividing a sonata into the, the three parts. It works on the movement scale. It's like this grand representation of Mi pattern harmony, yeah. you know? Micro to macro. Yeah, yeah. and I think we all... Um, if we're musicians, we can articulate with more clarity, like, oh, this is the 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 recapitulation of the sonata form in D major or whatever. But even somebody who doesn't know musical terms could also it still hits them. It hits them. Right? Still hits them. Sometimes it's they get the chills. Still. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, if you think about it, um, well, classical music really isn't at its main. Is it's not at its mainstream height as it used to be? But I'm sure when it was. All those people weren't musicians, you yeah. know, that were going to see it. And even now, you know, everybody people going to see to it. it. Yeah, because it, it kind of, it speaks it speaks to, you know, like you said, the, it's not an intellectual. Yeah. It's not a, It's not only an intellectual experience. And when it is, you know it's usually saying? not good music. Usually. Usually it's not. It can be entertaining. Yeah, it could be or entertaining. Or impressive. Yeah, or impressive. But usually, you know, what are you going to pay a hundred dollars? You you probably want to see. You probably want to get have an experience. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, you want that wanna, chill moment. Yeah, and that's it's like a realignment for your mind, like going yeah. to chiropractor for your mind. You yeah, know? you can't think your way into it or out of it. You kind of just have to like absorb. It's more of like an absorption, right? Of like, yeah, just yeah. yeah. In the, especially live music, there's a way that even up at Tanglewood when we hear concerts um, on the lawn. So you're essentially hearing some of the sound from the real live instruments, but a lot of it from the speakers that projected to the lawn. It's yeah. still a beautiful experience. You're seeing the stars and it feels like a live music experience, but compared to sitting inside and hearing the live instrument sounds, there's something about the vibrations that almost like it hits your body, not just your yeah. ears hearing mm -hmm. the sound, but like you feel the energy feel in a energy. visceral way. Yeah. Gosh, it's going to be a while since we'll hear, uh, yeah. until we'll hear a live orchestra. You concert. just made me think of drums, man. When I, I remember this last year, I saw um, Robert Glasper, jazz pianist. Mm -hmm. I saw his trio and uh, Chris Dave was playing drums, man. And it was like, I was sitting, we weren't sitting that close. We were close enough, maybe like from here to living room or something. Mm. Small, kind of a small restaurant. But the impact of the drums, like, was just like the vibration off the drums alone mm -hmm. was so uh, impactful. It was so like moving. It yeah. was like, it was no like, no speaker could have captured that. No probably, speaker. It was yeah. like Godzilla was like walking down, 
you know, man, it was like Godzilla was in Manhattan knocking down <laughs> buildings. It was like, boom, boom. Like, you know, it was just like. But it wasn't Godzilla. It was COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Depending oh, on the month we were right. seeing Robert Glasper. Facts. I remember I sent an Instagram story of, of like this cute dog we were cuddling with and you spotted Robert Glasper was on the Spotify on the background. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh shit, dude, Robert Glasper. <laughs> Good yeah, I love Robert Glasper, man. That's my guy. Uh, ready for some bonus questions? Let's do it. Round us off. Let's do it. Favorite book. What's the most influential book that you've read? That's a difficult one, man. That's a difficult one. We're uh, not going to like audit you on this answer. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. <laughs> if you tell me next week when we're hanging out, like, oh, I, 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 I flubbed that book. So I can it's change right. my mind. So I can yeah, change yeah. my mind. Yeah. Okay. We'll still be friends. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, man, I remember I read this book called Ego and Archetype. This probably isn't my most influential, but it was very influential. I don't know what my most influential would be, but it's just a yeah, hard question. Yeah. yeah. But uh I was going it was when I actually had my playing injury and I couldn't really play. Mm-hmm. And uh it's by this guy named uh Edward Edinger, who is uh he was a first generation student of Jung. Mm-hmm. And um kind of like Jung, kind of like Alexander, like you kind of need the first generation people to like actually tell you what they were saying because yeah. they're so deep, they're so like you can't really like unless I read you're Jung. gonna go all in. Yeah, unless you need you're gonna the translator. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of Edinger kind of found a way to um, encapsulate a lot of Jung's uh, ideas. Specifically, the ones that got to me at that time were the the ideas of, about individuation, mm-hmm. which is about um, you know coming to terms with your shadow, coming to terms with uh, the ego, whether it's underinflated or overinflated, mm-hmm. um, becoming yourself, uh, even if that opposes um, surrounding ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So it was called ego and archetype by meaning Edward. having the strength of character to be true to yourself, to find, even if the yes, environment to go is, through it and figure out what yeah. do you believe, what do I believe. You know Be willing I mean? to have conflict in yes. order to find that. Yeah. Exactly. And also, but and also in that to accept the fact that like we're all humans and that only you being an individual is not going to change the world. Like it can change the world, but that's not the point of it. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's more of a process of you becoming yourself on a psychological level. That is that what consciousness it. is, right? It's like yes. the ego trying to burst out of the. Yes. The the subconscious right yes so that's a that book is very like there's a it talks a lot about like alchemical texts and like um biblical satire like biblical like narrative Mm -hmm. and and different things like that but but it's all directed about the idea of the parts that hit me the hardest were the the things of individuation through tribulation through like struggles basically Mm -hmm. and um figuring out that um your ego can be hurt you know, yeah. your ego can be hurt. It's not the end of the world. You know, you can go through a rebirth because at right. that time I was going through kind of a metaphorical rebirth where, uh, which now I know because of Alexander technique yeah. that I had, I had reached a point of opt. I had reached a point of overwhelming tension, uh, kind of in my life that spilled over into the way I was playing that mm-hmm. basically made it so I could not play. So I had to sit my ass down. And figure out hit the reset button. Why? What am I doing? Why? How am I playing? What am I playing? Why am I playing? Sure. You know what I mean. At that point, 
my playing had become untenable at that point. Like you, you know? didn't even know what your mission was. Right? I didn't even. But and and uh, bigger than that, I didn't even know why I couldn't play. Like what the injury was. I just couldn't. I didn't even mm-hmm. know. You know. Now I know. I was just like I overexerted myself and then overcompensated with tension, sure. which <laughs> eventually led to not being able to play. You know, because our muscles, the muscles that we use, are so small that like. Once you once you're maxed out, you're maxed out. When you out. get a computer virus in those muscles, it's over. It's over. You can't just fake can't your way through that. Can't. Nothing works. Yeah. You can't, man. So I went through so I went through a really serious time of like not knowing, like, can I play? Am I gonna be able to play? Am I if do I wanna still play the way that I was like, you yeah. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I re- really was going through some things in terms of like, why am I playing? Do I play am I playing just because I the feel best like I have way to, to play? To have to go through it though, right? I, you couldn't tell me that back then. <laughs> what are you, well, I know, but like, what are you going to dive into the, the the dark pit of despair? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on uh, voluntarily, not yeah, usually, right? Not usually, no. I, yeah. So that book, so ego and archetype. If you're into Jung and uh, Jungian ideas, I might ideas. check that out. Every time I try to re- read, I almost Jung bought it. Directly. I, I meant to bring it. I forgot it with the headphones, but uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. We had no musical examples today. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good book. That's a good book for people. That kind of fits with the next question. If you had like no 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 money, like the price is free. If you could gift one item to everyone you know, would it be a book like that, or would it just be like a dope iPad? Because <laughs> like, yeah. there's there's some value in that too. Like, yeah, I mean, if I had if I needed some uh, social capital, yeah. definitely would hand. Let's that say iPad. the genie's <laughs> capping you at like a thousand bucks. A thousand bucks. Yeah. Right. yeah, let's keep it reasonable. You can't buy everyone a Tesla. True. Oh <laughs> uh, man. I saw, that's another that's another cool question. Tough though. Um I wanna say like an Alexander lesson, kind of. Uh-huh. Uh or that or like a subscription to Headspace. Yeah. Something like <laughs> if I knew people were gonna use the shit though. Right. Yeah, right I'm not right. just gonna buy I'm not just gonna pay for this. No, the genie's bucks. got you. The yeah, genie's okay. paying for it. He's, yeah. Okay, he's paying for it. <laughs> and these people are gonna do it for sure, then probably Well, I didn't say that. But, oh, okay, okay. You know, unless you want the genie to force them and that could be a side game that we do. Yeah. Make them take this Alexander lesson for sure. <laughs> no, the real lesson is don't make deals with genies, but yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but that yeah. would be a good one. Like, I think a physical lesson would be better than a subscription that will go dormant on their phone, you yes. know? a physical lesson where somebody actually rebalances you for a second. Well, because imagine if if they just touch you and then you that's your realization. Yes. You might not have the, the, the realization that keeps you going from Headspace, you know? It's true. You might just be like, ah, eh, whatever. That's true. You know, Netflix. Yeah. yeah. But somebody engaging with you in person... There's something about the spiritual meditation, uh, you know. Yeah, yoga meditation. You have teaching. to be. You have to be kind of up for the experience. Like, yeah, I feel like you have to be ready because until I there were there was people telling me to meditate before I meditated. I, just, I laughed. At I them. just was like, uh, why? Oh, <laughs> what a waste <laughs> of time that is. Yeah, so I'm gonna sit down. I'm, and of course, like, and it's it's so funny because as soon as you realize the benefit, you tell people like people, oh man, I'm so upset about this or whatever, and you're like. You kind of want to say, have you meditated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So maybe you should meditate, but you don't want to say that because you know, even you saying that <laughs> might mean they don't meditate just because you said Right, you know? yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, that's so well, the question is, how would you ever convince someone that there is a there yeah. there yeah. in meditation? Yeah. They have to be right for it. They have to be right. I mean, there are some phraseologies that work better than others, but it's really hard to not sound like the spiritual asshole who's just being like, yeah. bro, you should just do some yoga, bro. Yeah. You know, it's like, and you know me, like, no. like I get, once I find things, I get so excited. <laughs> like yeah. you see how excited I'm about Alexander technique. Totally. This is me at 28. 
I'm a, I can withhold some of the excitement. Uh-huh. When I first learned about meditation, it was just like, did you meditate? Are you meditating? Yeah. Maybe you should meditate. Right. You right, know what right. I mean? But then I realized, okay, let me chill because everybody's not going to. If that's my one yeah. response to yeah. anything, it They're not going to take, seri- take it seriously. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But those people, but people see the difference though. When you start meditating, I feel they see it and they're like, hmm, you seem like a very calm person. You seem like a very mm-hmm. centered person. Like, yeah. Even though I don't, I don't feel like that at all. But they're like, "What do you?" And then I'm like, "Oh, I meditate. Okay, maybe I'll." Yeah. And you know, people see you around a lot. If people I see you're consistent with it, and they know you, they might they they'll be inclined to meditate at some yeah. point. You know, it's the lead by example thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly, man. What are you going to tell people what to do? That they just they nobody does. They do the opposite. Exactly. If you just show them what you're doing and they notice that you seem to have more well-being and and your mood's always a little more cheerful they yeah. might be like hey maybe there's something there or not but that's them exactly. right yeah exactly <laughs> all right let's end with an easy one cool what do you think happens when you die when i die man that's rough that's rough man um three words or less <laughs> three words or less <laughs> I don't know. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you shut up. No, no, no. Um, when you, when oh, you, you can it. always you can always just like defer not to answer yeah. speed round questions. Yeah. yeah, okay. I don't know. Part of me, like I grew up Christian, so part of me like kind of believes. I don't know if I believe in hell 100%. I don't know if I believe it 100%. That's a tough one. But Well, you get I, into that, that a lot. definition problem. Yeah, know? yeah. That's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. Um uh, I thought I've thought a lot about the idea of reincarnation. Uh-huh. Um, I think that probably happens more on like a practical level, like more of like your battery charge just goes back to the big battery type mm-hmm. of type of vibe. Uh, if I was to guess, yeah, you know what I mean. Like whether we're like, I mean, literally that could be true based like, on science. Like, yeah, I think that more scientifically, like, and as you see, as like you know, life continues to be born and people continue to be born and the, yeah. the, where earth keeps, like the energy is coming from some place. Mm-hmm. It's coming from some sidewalk. Pl- yeah. It's yeah. coming from yeah. some place, like, you know, in my opinion. So, um, it's like a counter, yeah. counter force to the universe, which is aiming at more and more randomness and entropy. Yeah. It's just like a, it's just like a, yeah. it's like a, it's like a self propelling machine kind of in my, in my brain. Battling the upstream of time or yeah, something. Yeah. Until, until like, you know, um, I think, I think uh, I could be wrong, but I think Hindu beliefs believe that eventually, the like it goes off. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a there's a cycle of like existence begins, it expands, it retracts, it ends, then another one mm. begins. Yeah, you know. You should watch Dark. We're at a certain we're at a <laughs> certain level. We're at we're at a certain number right now of a cer- of a whatever. Whatever, a, yeah. whatever existence plane that that we're on currently, you yeah, know, on a certain number of them, but I think that's probably has some truth to it too. If I was to guess, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just the fact that we're, yeah, just the fact that we're all born and have like really short lives, and um, we come in not re- we come in with a certain amount of innate intelligence, and 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 our conscious intelligence is like really low. Yeah. But we have a certain amount of innate intelligence instincts yeah, yeah i think i mean i think having kids and or even like you know offspring shit like that is like a, its own form of reincarnation like continuing dna yeah conti- you know continuing dna conti- passing on experiences the fact that we've all all of our ancestors have reproduced up until now yeah. and we have all of the you know we literally have their faces <laughs> like you right, know it's kind of creepy it's kind of wild to think about like the kind of 
memory that's in our bodies. We've got all of their DNA. It's really freaky when you think about it. And we've got the other half that makes us us, like the the nurture part. We've also gotten from their imprinting of experience. And of course, some of that wasn't from them. But yeah, it's pretty remarkable that- And the wisdom that the, the the kind of thing we were just talking about with music and meaning, like that we still connect to those encoded bits of wisdom in a Mahler yeah. symphony in yes. Harry Potter. We just rewatched all the Harry Potters. And every time I'm a little older and I rewatch Harry Potter, I go, God damn, she told a deep story. Yeah. She's either guys- smarter than she knows or she's as smart as she knows, but she told a deep story. Do you know what you guys should watch? Have you ever watched the uh, Avatar? The, like, last the last airbender yeah. yeah we watched a few episodes right okay. Wait, I, yeah. I love avatar yo i just watched through that entire thing again yeah and it's, it's, it's so good i know all right I, I you appreciated that in a different way when you're a kid you're i mean kid. i was watching it when i was a kid i was yeah. like ah, well, when you're an adult yeah, yeah when you're, you're like, an adult whoa, you're, like, you're like that's deep yeah oh man these are like the forks in the road that make life decisions like what should i do this yes. way or that way <laughs> yeah it's like ned stark do i tell the truth and die or yeah. do spoiler well, ned alert. stark didn't do it we don't have to get into that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll do a separate game of thrones episode. <laughs> yeah. all right i think uh yeah we're at like uh oh nice yeah hour 30 we did it cool thanks for coming on yo thanks for having me it was a pleasure guys yeah. cool. appreciate it peace yanka give us the bye there we go All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Kodawari. If you enjoyed it, we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally, please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.